Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Erica Cruz Guevara coming at you with an opportunity to directly help us shape the show. We've got a listener survey going, and we want to hear from you. What do you think of the show, and what do you want to hear more of? It takes literally just eight minutes of your time. So if you're waiting on the BART platform or, I don't know, waiting for your food at your local joint, go to kqed.org slash Survey and help us make our show even better for you. Thanks. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. More than 2,000 people have died of opioid overdose in San Francisco since 2020, mostly because of fentanyl. That's more than the number of people who've died of COVID. And while it can feel like such an overwhelming problem to address, a small mobile operation that's providing treatment from parking lots is showing some surprising results in San Francisco. These outdoor spaces actually became really popular, and now there are more people actually using the mobile clinic at SF General's OTOP program, which is the methadone clinic, than the indoor traditional clinic that still exists and is still in use now. San Francisco's mobile opioid treatment clinics popped up as a way to address overcrowding in hospitals during the pandemic. But it turns out they're working even better than what existed before. And now the people who run it want to find a way to keep them around. Today, the uncertain future of San Francisco's mobile opioid treatment clinic. Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. How hard can it be to recover from addiction? It's very hard. Sydney Johnson is a reporter for KQED. There's a lot of kind of black and white questions when we look at the opioid crisis of, is what we're doing working or is it not? Relapse is often part of most people's experience in recovery. And so when I say it's hard, that's what I mean. It's not a simple, straightforward journey for most people, but people recover every day. I have met many people who have walked away from substances, but it is, it is a difficult journey for a lot of people. How does getting treated 
for opioid addiction usually work? There's several different types of drug treatment and opioid treatment in particular. People have probably heard of rehab or detoxification, but those are not always considered the best option because it can actually be quite dangerous if you have been chronically using a strong substance like fentanyl to go cold turkey. And and it can actually be fatal in some circumstances and extremely painful in, in most. So what's kind of considered by some to be, quote unquote, the gold standard in in opioid treatment, at least today with with what we have, is a medication-assisted treatment called methadone. Methadone is a medication that blocks opioids' effects in the brain. And it helps reduce cravings and withdrawal symptoms. And so it makes it much easier to wean off of stronger opioid substances. It can be taken as a pill. Sometimes it's mixed in a a little liquid and taken as a drink. And many people who are successful with this treatment program are on methadone for a really long time. So in San Francisco, is there a way to access this treatment? What would that process look like? Prior to the pandemic, you would have to go to a certified clinic every single day. You would have to get your dose measured and dispensed for you on site. You would have to be supervised as you take it, follow up with counseling on that site. I think it's easy to imagine just how difficult strict programs like that can be to access. I mean, you think about our lives, you know, can you imagine going to the doctor's office every single day? Now imagine not having a car, not having a house. Maybe you have all of your belongings with you. Maybe you have an animal or a child. You know, there's so many reasons why that may be difficult, even for people who really want treatment. This story that you reported on is sort of about this different way of dispensing this treatment. Your story is about mobile clinics in San Francisco. Can you tell me a little bit about them? And I know you actually went to visit one. What do they look like exactly? Can you kind of describe it for me? So during the pandemic, when uh, there were the shelter-in-place orders, and obviously we were all trying to reduce overcrowding, reduce, you know, a lot of people in indoor spaces, San Francisco tried this pretty radical thing where they moved part of their methadone clinic at San Francisco General Hospital outside to a small, discreet parking lot. And that essentially let people continue their methadone treatment plans in a safer outdoor space. It's right off of Potrero Boulevard, very close to the bus stop. Uh, On one side, there is some shady trees. There's the hospital's brick wall on the other, and then a gate with a privacy screen that kind of hides it from the street to kind of still secure some of that that privacy. How long have you been uh, here at SF General? 11 years. So Hasia Sisik is the nurse manager for OTOP, which stands for the Opiate Treatment Outpatient Program at San Francisco General Hospital. Right now, we do have around 300 patients dosing here at the parking lot, mm-hmm. and then around 150 daily dosing at the clinic. When I met her, she was sort of the ringleader of the mobile clinic at the parking lot at SF General. Wow. The total number of the patients is 600. Okay. We do okay. have a two locations. That is the hospital location, and another location is the baby. Right. Baby has.
When you walk in, there's two vans. People will walk up and they go up to a window in front of one of these large white vans. There's a nurse behind the window. Um, they usually know them by name. They uh, then hand them a little cup, which has the medication in there. Often they'll take it on site. She's essentially standing there, welcoming people as they come in. She knew so many people by name, was giving hugs. It felt, it felt like just a, a community that, that knew each other. The clinic gave almost all of its participants phones at the beginning of the pandemic because they knew that it would be hard to keep in touch. We were lucky, I would say. We had um, some anonymous donator who donate money that we can purchase phones. Phones? That, yeah. Phones that they would be able to communicate with us. So we had around 600 phones. And she told me about how they will nudge participants for their appointments, for their counseling, and that that was a huge part of the connection, too. And I know you actually got a chance to talk to some patients about their experience at the mobile clinics. Can you introduce me to Tamara Lombardo here and tell me a little bit about her and who she is? Yeah, I met Tamara Lombardo on a Friday afternoon at the mobile clinic at SF General. So you have a dog yeah, also. It's Eddie. It's Eddie. Eddie. Oh. Eddie. Oh, I've had him going on uh, nine years. She was just really happy to be there. She's been really good. Right yeah, here. tell me more about that and what your experience has been like. Um, I haven't missed no days. Wow. Nothing. Um, it's more convenient mm-hmm. and um, it just, it's a lot smoother. Just She had a long history of heroin use and had been in and out of treatment. And she's been going to OTOP for almost 10 years. So she knows what it was like before the pandemic. She said that previously, you know, she would have to go up a couple flights of stairs, walk through the hospital, you know, sometimes feel judged for how she looks and maybe how she dresses. Outside, you know, there were people walking like her with animals, with bikes, with packages and suitcases, and and none of that mattered. There was a safe place where people could store those things, and they could quickly come in and out and then move on with their day. And most of the time, you know, it's like, oh, I don't feel like going up there and mm-hmm. have to deal with, you know, waiting in line mm-hmm. and, um, um, you know, dealing with checking in and all that. Oh, yep. God, the checking in. And then, you know, if your counselors want to see you, it's easier just to come here and you can call them, you know, talk to them on the phone real quick, get your stuff and then just be on your way and you know, do what you got to do. There are really strict rules around providing methadone to patients because it's actually also an opioid. But many medical professionals have been pushing for looser restrictions. One reason is that addiction to fentanyl, which is 50 times stronger than heroin, requires higher doses of methadone. Another reason is access. But lately, clinics, including the mobile ones in San Francisco, have been allowed to make treatment much more accessible. Before the pandemic, patients would have to come every day to get that methadone dose. Now, for patients who are a little bit more stabilized and have a regular dosage amount that they are safe with, they can take it home for a couple days so they don't have to come every single day to the clinic. 
that was something that changed at the federal level. And San Francisco and many other cities that are battling opioid crises right now have seen a lot of success with having a little bit more flexibility there. And it appears that the federal regulators who are overseeing this are likely going to allow those flexibilities to stay because many treatment plans have not kept up with the way that the drug supply and the drug crisis has evolved. What do we know about whether these mobile clinics are working? So I spoke with several different doctors at SF General and UCSF who have been studying the effects of this change with regards to the federal regulations and also this mobile clinic in particular. Dr. Lisa Fortuna, who is the chief of psychiatry at San Francisco General Hospital, told me that they're seeing more people not only sign up for treatment now, but that they are seeing more people stay with their treatment plan longer, which for a space like addiction and uh, drug treatment is huge because it is really hard, frankly. You know, the success rates in drug treatment are tragically low. There's a lot of stigma around it, but she said that this is really showing um, some positive signs so far. And then also at a larger scale, this is something that doctors are noticing outside of San Francisco too. So there's a couple federal studies that are showing similar outcomes. So the federal agencies that oversee rules around methadone treatment are likely going to allow these changes to stay. Are there any pitfalls to this approach that you've heard or any pushback? You know, I think there always is some valid concern over any time you're going to increase, you know, dispensing an opioid. However, that has also been studied and there hasn't been any, at least at this point, any substantial evidence to show that overdoses on methadone have increased as a result of this. Um, so that's really inspiring, I think, to a lot of folks who maybe were hesitant about loosening these regulations. But that has been looked at and studied as well, both at UCSF and at the federal level. And it does not appear that there have been any significant increase in overdoses from methadone as a result of uh, relaxing some of these regulations and definitely not through the, the mobile clinic either. These mobile clinics started up during the beginning of the pandemic and it seems like it's gone well. Are these vans here to stay? We don't know. That is really still a question. The vans themselves were activated by SF General during the pandemic for the specific purpose of reducing overcrowding in the hospital. These vans are a limited resource. It's possible that they may need to be activated for something else. But Hasia Sisik, the nurse manager, told me that she's certainly in conversations right now with officials at the hospital and the Department of Public Health to find ways to keep this permanent. And that's just to be seen, though. What's your biggest takeaway from this story and this reporting, Sydney? San Francisco, like many other large cities, is really facing a challenging drug crisis. And it's different from the drug crisis that we've seen in the past. And it's going to evolve again in the future. 
And some of those rules and expectations that we set for people who are seeking recovery have not been helpful. But there are people who want treatment, who want to get off opioids, and having these different on-ramps and different options and and different types of environments for, for care That seems to be like one of the most valuable things that was learned during this process. And I hope that this is really just one of, you know, many different learnings that we that we take away from just the the tragedy that we've seen over the last few years. Sydney, thank you so much for your reporting and for joining us on the show and sharing it with us. I appreciate it. Thanks, Erica. That was Sydney Johnson, a reporter for KQED. This 30-minute conversation with Sydney was cut down and edited by producer Maria Esquinka. Alan Montecilio is our senior editor. He scored this episode and added all the tape. And a reminder for you to take our listener survey, please. We'd really love to hear from you and know what ideas you have for how we can make the show better for you. That's kqed.org slash the Bay Survey. Takes just eight minutes. Appreciate your time. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.